Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi there, it's Caroline Foran from Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please do follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. The sooner we all get on board with these measures, the sooner we will be all together again. While you're staying at home, here's a recommendation for another great podcast for you to listen to. I think we need a bit of comic relief more than ever, so why not try the Two Johnnies podcast, available on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Everything is Black and White podcast, brought to you by Chronicle Live, bringing you the latest insight on everything to do with Newcastle United. You can find us on iTunes, Acast, Spotify or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove. And it's time, as promised, for a special episode. As you will know by now, another takeover story has emerged. Pierre Kenyon is back on the scene and looking to complete a deal to take the club off the hands of Mike Ashley. I'm joined here by Mark Douglas, who was one of the few Northeast journalists to get hold of the brochure um, over the last few days. Let's just start there, Mark, when you first kind of got the email and then saw the brochure before we delve into the context of it all. Oh, I was I was intrigued, really interested to see what it said. There was a lot of detail in there, um, but I, I don't think I was kind of, I don't think I sort of regarded it as, you know, a, a cut and dried sort of story at that point because, you know, it needed to be verified, um, which, you know, the, the American end, they're still not responding to um, to inquiries at the moment. Uh, it's obviously, there's a bit of a time difference there as well. Um, but it, it looked to me, very much from the offers if it was still trying to raise funds. Um, so I, I didn't think it was necessarily that the takeover was about to happen. Um, obviously, there's the name of the new group that have been kind of um, a lot of conversation about today, GACP Sports, uh, Capital Sports, sorry, who own Bordeaux. So that was a new development as well. Um, and it just sort of confirmed, to be honest, what I knew that Kenyon hadn't gone anyway, was still interested. Um, so... You know, really interesting, and I think there's, you know, it's definitely a story. You can't say it's not a story, but in terms of getting excited about the idea that it was that, that a takeover is actually going to happen, I'd say I wasn't quite there, um, and you know, I had reservations about splashing it all over the, the paper and uh, putting it all over cyberspace as well. But obviously, when other news, other journalists have got it as well, I think you you kind of move to to say, you know, to be fair to them, they've they've broken the story, they've. Um, They've kind of moved it forward a little bit with Kenyan's people as well, which I wasn't able to do. So I'm not, you know, I'm certainly not um, not sitting here claiming, you know, it was a scoop of the century or anything like that. But it was very interesting. I, I found it very interesting because there's a lot of detail in there. Um, a lot of things that kind of I felt were a little bit fishy in there as well, um, which I think we've mentioned today as uh, today as well. But, uh, you know, we, we've put it out there so people can make their own decision on it. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, as much as people are cynical about it and call it and saying it's all boring and this, that and the other, well, we've kind of power to the reader, really. We've said, here it is. There's a lot of detail out there already. Um, judge for yourselves. 
reading this? Does it read more like a kind of uh, they're trying to persuade other investors to get involved rather than you know this is our this is our plan for Newcastle, or is it more look this is what it could be? Come and invest with us. Yeah, I think I think it. Um, I don't know too much about the way that these things work, other than it, it looks to me like a pl- it looks to me like it's here is you know come and come and invest in this opportunity um so i think we knew that kenyan last year was trying to raise funds um he had rockefeller capital who were trying to bring in private equity firms and uh, potential would be investors he was trying to raise money through a lot of different a lot of different groups this is another attempt to do that um what's what's interesting in the kenyan end it seems are saying that he has actually done that. He's actually raised quite a lot of the money now. So a fresh inquiry's gone in. I must say that that's not necessarily being stood up by people at the Ashley end. Newcastle aren't saying anything officially either. So, you know, it still feels like a distant prospect to me of actually the club being taken over. But yeah, it looks to me like it's an attempt to raise money. I'm going to start with a lot of scepticism from fans. I mean, even from ourselves here in the industry. You know, we've been here... We've had our fingers burned. The main question, I suppose, on the lips of people is, why is this being leaked? Because we've said it enough times that when Newcastle United gets sold, we're likely going to just hear about it on the day it's done or something like that. You know, when it gets confirmed, Mike Ashley said it in the summer. So why now have you and other journalists been given this this, this uh, brochure? I think that's the, the kind of £300 million question, isn't it? Um, I honestly don't know the answer to that one. Um it doesn't seem to me very good for Kenyan or GACP Capital Sports for it to be out there. Um, I don't see what, what it would gain for them for it to be out there. If anything, it probably would, would dent the deal. Um, a lot of people saying it's Mike Ashley putting it out there. Oh, what good would it do him? You know, some people have said it'll put ticket sales on. I don't think it will. Um, you know, people are cynical about it. It's like when people say transfer rumours put 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 sales on I don't think they do it changes the narrative a bit doesn't it from being a negative narrative about what's going on to kind of people talking about the takeover but not in a good way um so you know that that is the big question who's who's leaked it and we and I can't honestly can't tell you if I knew who had I'd probably talk about it in a slightly different way I wouldn't necessarily be able to reveal a source but I might be able to give a bit more insight there but um I honestly don't know who has leaked it, what's going on. The first time I saw it, my my feeling is always, is this somebody out there trying to prank us, trying to make us look stupid by putting something out and we'll just take it at face value? So that's why maybe I was lagging a little bit further behind than some of the other people who, who did write it because I'm, I'm really sceptical about that. Um, you know, you worry about that all the time as a journalist, but you know, obviously it has now sort of been stood up to an extent by people Um but I honestly don't know, and I would love to know what the reason is, um, because it doesn't, to me, make any sense for it to be out here. Like he said, Mike Ashley said himself, when it gets done, it'll probably just be done. Um, so for me, it automatically puts me in a position where I think, is it going to happen? If it's if it's out there, it's unlikely, I think. But there you go. Do you think from Kenyon's side, it's, it's a, an attempt to drop the final bit of business from potential investors to say look maybe, I don't know for instance this is just maybe just playing devil's advocate maybe he said right the deadline is 1st of October this has now come out and that's kind of the final warning to say look you've, we're serious maybe 
Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe. I mean, it, it, you know, I don't think it does him any harm to to sort of have his to to make it look as if he's still really interested. I, 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 you know, if he feels that there's somebody else in there, or if he's trying to push Mike Ashley a little bit further along, but you know, I, I just don't feel that. For me, what's the point in anything being out there now, unless it's gone through so many steps to actually being close? Because the amount of cynicism around is is, is absolutely huge, and the the level of detail in the brochure, um, if it's you know if it's 100% genuine and is 100% an offer, means that now we kind of know everything we need to know about about the model. The only thing I'll maybe say, and I've got no proof of this, is that it, it could be that having that level of detail about the ownership model out there might you know and i think one of the things that this this story can do is to actually start a conversation amongst newcastle fans about what ownership model they want because ashley's ownership model while i think is not working um you know it's not there's not huge amounts of money going out to investors you know obviously Mike Ashley is getting something out of the football club and then he's getting sponsorship. He's getting, sorry, he's getting opportunities to showcase his brand. Um, you know, he's, he's repaying himself his loan. Um, and he's getting, he's getting something out of the football club, but, you know, he's not repaying himself massive dividends. Whereas in this ownership model, um, investors are being promised some form of return. You know, understandably, I suppose, because why would you invest in a football club otherwise? Um, and I suppose one of the ways that you could look at it is saying, well, does it reflect a little bit better on Mike Ashley's method of ownership? Um, possibly, but by the same token, you know, I don't think you'll get too many Newcastle fans seeing this and going, hooray for Mike Ashley, because I think it's so depressed at the moment, isn't it, that, that it's not working, Mike Ashley's way of doing things. It's funny you mention that, though, because if you look at the the, uh, the group in America who own Bordeaux, they're... Yeah, CEO said something slightly slim, similar to Mike Ashley's wallpaper account where, you know, we can't compete is essentially what he said about PSG. We, I haven't got oil in my backyard is what he said. Um, you know, and his, the emphasis seems to be on getting the best young talent and bringing it to Bordeaux. And then when they've grown, they will sell for a profit and the cycle starts again, which isn't too dissimilar to what we've got here. Is it just a case that after 11 and whatever years, Newcastle United fans just want whoever and they just want Ashley gone. Yeah, I think there is an element of that. And, and you know, I suppose we have to kind of say that one of the problems with the debate at the moment is it's just we want Ashley out, but there isn't really a vision for what they want Newcastle United to become. And I suppose that's where maybe the Newcastle United supporters trust some of the kind of big voices in the fan base should probably look at it and say, you know, is that the next step? Is that where we have to move this debate on a little bit, so that when somebody does eventually buy Mike Ashley out, they're in their, they're in a position there to kind of forensically examine um, what what it is that these people are going to offer. Um, I think you know I'm not I don't want to run everything that, that's in that brochure down because there is there is a um, there is a few lines in there that kind of make you think actually they do get it because there's there's talk of investing in infrastructure which I think Newcastle desperately need. Um, there's also talk of re-engaging the fans. So, you know, we've seen it down the road at Sunderland in that, you know, maybe that maybe the model at Sunderland isn't the most, um, isn't the most kind of, I don't know, it, it, I wouldn't say it's necessarily kind of a world-beating model that, that, that Donald and Metvin have got, but because 
they have engaged with fans. They've got people on side. People are all moving in the right direction. And a new new owners, you know, Peter Kenyon would would come in. He would say, I mean, he would say, I've done it. I've I've transformed other football clubs. I can grow the revenues here, engage the supporters, and it will feel like we're you know we're actually aiming for something um, and getting the fans on board and being honest about. It. Yeah, we are trying to we are trying to make money out of the football club, but we could, if we all do it together and we're all in it together. You can have a say, and you know, hopefully there would be maybe some movement there on support representation on the board, and all those kind of things are, are quite positive. Um, so I don't want to kind of run it run it down too much because I think the model that they're talking about at the moment is the only model really that's available to Newcastle United, unless they've got a benevolent owner coming in who's going to put money into the actual transfer funds. It's going to be difficult for me. The kind of the Stavely, the way that Stavely was going to do it was to really give. Rafa Benitez, what he, you know, some funds at first to kind of grow the football club and his own, you know, it, like a free reign effectively over who he was going to sign. So the way they were going to do it was say, give Rafa Benitez the keys to the castle and hope that he grows it. There's inherent risk in that. Newcastle at the moment, there's probably not a lot of risk in what they're doing because, you know, they know that they're going to be solvent and they're going to be financially fine if they go down because Mike Ashley will probably step in. And they will probably be able to restructure in the championship and all of those kind of things. The worry with a model like this is if they got relegated or the TV um, deal doesn't increase as they want it to, how would they find the money to kind of finance the continuing ownership of the football club? Because in the model that they've that's in the brochure, it's borrowing money, um, borrowing money to kind of have this, so which was a five million pound interest every year. So you're saying if you can't grow the revenues, if the team aren't in the Premier League, what happens then? Are they in financial trouble? That's the worry, isn't it? I guess the argument would be that only last week it came out that Mike Ashley had done something similar where he put the money, the TV money, I think for the next year or so, and it it's now in with Barclays and that. So it's not... Do you think he's, he's starting to change the way he looks at funding the club? No, because I don't think that that, that, that is more to do with um, funding short-term cash flows. So it's basically you're being advanced the TV money in September in order to get to cover the things like... Because the TV money is such a massive part of um, the club's revenues now, um, they factor in all of that money and so the wage bill is bigger the, t- the transfer fees all of those things are, um, you know are based on the fact that the TV money is there so it's just to basically cover short term cash flows it's not that the, you know the interest is quite small on that as well because it gets repaid quite quickly Five, you know I think it's 5% interest they're talking about in the brochure on every year on um, on the 175 million pound loan so it's 5 million going out of the club every year that is for no benefit other than you've got new owners it's a very similar model to the one that Sunderland um, have, where you know they they've essentially borrowed against parachute payments um, to fund it. It's up to you whether you think that having a forward-thinking club, having new energy at the football club, is worth that. You have to leave it to fans to decide that. I I, I think you have got to be sceptical about it in some ways um, and wonder whether there's a different model out there. It's a case that you have to kind of accept that there is no endless pot of money. It's not going to be a in a Man City style takeover and the likelihood is that whoever comes in the aim will be to establish Newcastle as a top 10 team and gradually grow and not right here's 
200 million to spend on a absolutely on a squad absolutely and and the and the question is that you know Newcastle at the moment their their pledge is basically that there'll be 55 million pounds to spend in the transfer market every summer as long as they're still in the Premier League with the kind of the way that they do things so that that's 55 million pounds to spend in the transfer in the over the two transfer windows every season but that means no infrastructure investment it means you know counting costs it means you know making sure that they they you know the, the bottom line is taken care of so that's the question isn't it what, what do you what do you want from your football club what what are you what do you think that the football club should look like going forward because if we want ashley to leave we have to accept that that is going to have implications in terms of how the football club is is sort of done in the future there are football clubs you know you have Everton, for example, um, and others who are in Bournemouth, where the owner does put money in and does invest and doesn't expect a return and they're not expecting necessarily a return. Um, and it's a question of whether you can find somebody like that. I suppose that's the question, isn't it? Can Is there somebody out there willing to do that for Newcastle United? Um, that would be the hope. And I think if that if there is somebody like that who's willing to do that, they will just buy the football club and you'll not hear about any of this. So that's kind of what maybe holding out, holding out, out, out for. I mean, the irony could be that see if this deal went through, and then Sunderland's also went through. That Sunderland in League One could have a, an ownership, you know, with more wealth and finance to spend than, than Newcastle. We don't know yet what Sunderland, what Sunderland's take it, what Sunderland's ownership model is going to look like. Um, they, they, are, you know, obviously the three guys who are looking to take over there are extremely wealthy. Uh, from from what they, you know, there's been no independent verification of their wealth, but Michael Dell, who's going to be a silent and passive shareholder, who's not going to have any, um, not going to have any input at all in the football club, uh, is fantastically wealthy. We know that, but that's very different. I mean, they, they are they are investing in Sunderland to, because they see it as a um, a brand that's nowhere near where it could be. So they think that that's a club that could go through the divisions and get into the Premier League, and therefore. They'll buy it for sixty million or whatever, and then it could potentially be a two hundred fifty million pound asset in a few years' time. They would invest in the transfer market if they, as long as they go through the divisions. But it's not going to be shape man. So I've seen some Sunderland fans kind of you know, coming to the Cron and, and funnily enough, and saying we're going to be the richest club in the world. I mean, that's just totally unrealistic. But it's going to be much better for them than what they've got at the moment. The question is, if Newcastle do come, you know, if Newcastle, this ownership model that they're they're, um, they're looking to, they had really good management, invested well in the transfer market, had everybody moving forward. I could see a situation where, and revenues grew and they're doing much bigger deals and, and looking to, to do all those things. You could see a situation where it would be a much more positive outlook because they would get a bit of momentum and moving forward. The worry is the Newcastle in the current model are always going to be one of 14 teams in the Premier League that start the season thinking we just need to stay in the Premier League. That, you know, I think every club outside the top six are probably saying that. I mean, Wolves are where Wolves are struggling this year. I mean, they've got fantastic wealth, but they're going to be, until they really establish themselves as a real top team, they're going to be thinking the same. So that's the worry, isn't it? That you're only one bad season away from real real trouble I mean you know Rafa say Rafa came back um, you know and he 
and he doesn't get what he wants and it, everything's destabilised and all this and they have a bad season and they're flirting with relegation. I mean, you know, they, they finished fifth in Newcastle, didn't they, in 2011-12 and then two years later or three years later, they're battling against relegation from bad decisions that were made. You're banking on a head of recruitment to make the right decisions every year. Um, you're banking on the team to stay fresh. It, 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 it would, it's a, you know, it's not without risk. Um, but of course, you know, if they, if they are in financial trouble, then they'd have to sell. And it would be, you know, it's, it's not like it's not happened to other football clubs before. And I, and I think it's very unlikely that Newcastle would ever go under because they're such a big brand and they're so, they've got so much going for them. So I, I wouldn't worry about them being solvent. But it's, um, as I said, that's for me is the biggest thing to come out of this is what do you want Newcastle to look like? We hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. Just a quick reminder to please subscribe and review to our podcast through iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast provider you listen through. How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. We're all following the government's advice right now. We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out. Let's dive into the brochure then. You mentioned there about recruitment. It mentions about, you know, installing someone in the head of recruitment to make sure that, you know, they can pick up the best talent. Um, about and there's stuff about making Newcastle an established top ten side. You mentioned the infrastructure; it's nothing too grand. It's probably the bottom line of of what people would expect mm. of an established Premier League side. Yeah, I think they, they're saying they want to be in the top ten year in year out. I think the the financial assumptions include um, by the end of 2023 being in the Europa League again, finishing seventh, because they all obviously look at the top six and say, well, we can't break into that, but could we be the best of the rest? Um, you know that's a that's a something that I think looks miles away at the moment, isn't it? Newcastle finishing seventh, um, but yeah, I, I feel a bit sorry for Steve Nixon. You know, with the head of recruitment thing. I mean, you know, give him a chance. You know, Newcastle have done okay in terms of recruitment in the last few years. Um, they've done, you know, they've not done too badly in, in terms of picking up picking up the best players. I'd like to see who this head of recruitment is that's going to pick the best players in Europe because that's what every club in the Premier League is trying to do, and there's a lot of competition there. I think previous, you know, from knowing how Graham Carr worked as as um, chief scout, they found it difficult sometimes to get players to want to come to the northeast when they had other options. So that's easier said than done um, to to go and do that. But it, what's interesting is the transfer pot basically says it's self generated funds. So you know they're not going to be putting money into the transfer pot if this brochure, as I said, is correct. It would be we'll have to sell to buy or we'll have to sell to buy big. And it would be very much like, you know, a similar model to the one that they've got now. Um, but it would just be a question of whether they would say, you know, you could, you could, they would make exception for uncertain players. So would you have, for example, got Rondon if you're Rafa Benitez, would it, you know, that's the question is that Newcastle have been so inflexible with that, um, with that policy um, well, they weren't under Rafa, of course, but they have in the past been so sort of wedded to the idea um, that it's it's not always done. It's not always done them that well. And I think what 
what the brochure sort of basically says, the main thing is we'd re-engage with the supporters. I think it would be they're making a big play of Peter Kenyon's football knowledge, which I think Lee Charlie might be sitting there saying, Well, I've you know, I've been an MD at a football club as well, so I know what I know how these things work. But they're making a big play about Peter Kenyon. He's like the headline grabber. If he comes in, he can transform the football transform the football club off the pitch. Um but yeah, I mean they obviously say they'll back Steve Bruce. Uh, you know, you take that with a pinch of salt because it's very rare that football clubs do do work well, and obviously just can- go into the brochure where it mentions Steve Bruce because a lot of people it is he's had a lot of success in Europe, a lot of people saying well have have they just wiped yeah, Benitez's name out? Benitez's name out and put Bruce's name in. Um again that made me sceptical. I wondered whether that was just something that somebody had done knocked up, you know, I didn't know whether that was about, about right. But then they're not referring to Bruce there, are they? Because he's not had that kind of element of success in Europe. Um and also, you know, if they want to re engage with supporters, look, we have to be honest that Steve Bruce isn't the number one choice of the, most of the supporters. So if they were going to re-engage with supporters, you'd say one of the ways that they could do that is probably by saying, we'll bring in a more popular manager. Peter Kenyon obviously talked to Spanish media today saying Jose Mourinho would be the man that he would bring in for any kind of project. Whether Mourinho would look at Newcastle and say, you know, the numbers, the underlying numbers there would give me the chance to, to compete. Whether Arsene Wenger or somebody like that would do that as well. I don't know, but he would probably come in with his own Know, wanting to do something but I think you'd have to say if they wanted to re-engage with supporters and really fire enthusiasm you wouldn't think Steve Bruce would last that long if the results didn't go for him if he suddenly started delivering the results and stuff but fair enough but um, yeah I think I'd take that one with a pinch of salt Just, the, the fact that the brochure has the squad list from last season and some of the players aren't even there anymore Suggests that that Porsche was 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 you know knocked up quite a few months mm. back. Does that worry you that when it, this has now come out, we're not at a stage where it's gone right. He's got the you know the deal is done. Does that worry you at all? Because yeah. you know it, it suggests it's been it's been a long time in the making, and yeah. yet we're no further forward as in terms of him getting the keys to St James's Park. Yeah, I think it probably it looks to me like it might have been produced in the summer. Um, you know, in the close season. Um, originally then it's maybe been amended a little bit because the the anticipated close close of acquisition date is tomorrow oh it's today sorry um but that's not happened so i, I wonder whether they've been working on it since kind of august you know that, that it's been because seabrook's only got the job didn't he at the start of august or no july mid-july so that gives it an element of um you know being a little bit more fresh but yeah and i mean you know the 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 squad values of through transfer marked as well which is obviously you know um i mean it's industry kind of you know it, it it does have people in the industry do do take it seriously but i mean they also know that it's it's not necessarily accurate reflection on what on what squad values worth um because some players in there are way over and some some are way younger so yeah it did, it did make me wonder i was a bit worried about that let's talk about the price then finally you know, reports suggesting it's 125 million up front, and then it will go up to 300 million in various staged payments. That's below what we understand might actually wants for the club. Um, I mean, if that is the deal, you, you can't see might actually accept them, can you? Yeah, I mean, do they do they have a head of terms agreement with Mike Ashley? Um, suggestion is not, so it might be that that's the deal that they were going to put to Mike Ashley. 
Um, as I said, people close to Kenyan are saying there's a new bid. It's this much. We're in there. Um, but that doesn't that hasn't really been verified yet by, by other people. I mean, three hundred million pounds is. I think it, I think the price has fluctuated a little bit because I mean I don't know what the exact price is. And whenever I've kind of tried to put that to, I mean, we did go up and speak to Lee Charnley, and um, he was very much like, you know, well, do you know what the price? Do you know, he, was, he didn't tell. He wouldn't tell us what the price was. Um, and um, you know, he was kind of like, look, see various figures, but you know do you know that that's definitely the price that he wants kind of thing so you know nobody's ever really confirmed that that price but i would think that that price 350 million pounds would fluctuate depending on where they are in the league because he might accept a little bit less because obviously there's more if they're in the bottom three or bottom four or five or whatever there's more risk to any buyer at that point so you think maybe that knocks some money off or or whatever in the summer it's obviously worth more isn't it because you know that you've got a transfer window to go out and Premier League status so 300 million in mid-season doesn't feel that bad to me um, and it's interesting to note in the brochure as well they do say that they think it's undervalued at 300 million which is quite interesting because obviously you know everybody's been hammering Mike Ashley for asking for this X, X amount of money but I've seen it a few places now and a few kind of people saying actually 300 million pounds is less than you, know, you, you might pay for, for a club of Newcastle size so interesting yeah i mean the, 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 there are elements of kind of really you know things things that are interesting but i think a lot of fans will just be looking at this this morning and saying is the club any close to being sold no move on which i understand but you know it's our job to kind of analyze everything that comes out of newcastle united and there's quite a lot to analyze from this and the sports direct advertising to stay at the ground for three years quite an interesting uh, note yeah that's been mentioned before um it's been mentioned before and it's kind of you know it's always been seen as part of the deal um which is you know is that something that mike ashley is putting on sellers say or putting on buyers and saying we need this or is it just something that they've included in there to try and make it seem a bit more um a bit more kind of beneficial to him um because you know if you're maybe saying you're only getting 125 million up front but if we pay it, if you pay the other 175 million over three years, but you can have X amount of advertising worth worth Y, I suppose that that, that that's one of those things. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think the kind of sports direct thing would it would be nice, wouldn't it, to think that that advertising would go, and it would be all part of a big kind of new era that you'd just it would be Newcastle United, and you could start selling that and making that a big part of like revenue generation. No more question then. If the deal did go through, I suppose in many ways you couldn't probably ask for a better person to run the club than you know than Peter Kenyon. Like he's been at Manchester United, largely applauded for his work there. Then went to Chelsea, you know, right at the start of that year, and again praised for what he did there. You know, he does know football. I suppose he has been out of that role for quite a while, so things have changed. But your take yeah. on on on. Him being in that kind of well, he's still he's still a divisive figure. I mean, there's plenty of people who criticised him for the stuff he did for some of the stuff he did at Chelsea and Man United. But he's obviously got good contacts. Um, you know, he'd feel that he he'd feel that he he was able to bring a fresh energy to the football club. Um, and and you know, there would be a lot of possibility. It would feel like there was some possibility there that you know that they could they could do something. Um, but you know, he'd be ask, he'd be paying himself a decent whack to be there. He's he guaranteeing himself a job. Um, and I think they get some shares as well in the club 
from what I could see, without putting too much of his own, well, I think any of his own money up. Um, obviously, I think some of the money, you know, he'd, he'd have to cover some of the costs and things, but but not a lot of money. He's not putting a load of money in. So, you know, he, he would ha- he would face, although people would be interested to see what he'd have to say, I think he'd have to, some questions to answer as well if he came in. Um, because, you know, what are his motivations here? It, it, is, you know, it, it would be, you know, all, as I said, all part of the same thing. But but yeah, I mean, he's got some he's got some pretty impressive um, credentials there. You know, he's worked for some big clubs. He clearly really fancies Newcastle United as a as a possibility. He knows Mike Ashley. You know, he, you know, he he will see it as a big sleeping giant as others as others, others do. Um, so I think if he came in, you have to give him a chance. But you'd want some questions answered from the moment he walked through the door. Just finally, then we'll roll kind of two questions into one. How was this different to either the last time he came on the scene and there was the letter different to the Bin Zaid debacle? And then what is your gut instinct telling you? Um, it's, it is different because um, the Bin Zaid thing, I mean, they're, they're all, you know, people kind of lump in everything, all of these kind of takeover things in together, but they've all got, they're all diff- slightly different. And they've all come up the same um, end game, which is they haven't actually nothing's happened off the back of them. Well, Bins- how many have you seen? Um, time this is number eight or nine, I think. Um, you know, including somewhere they were claiming that the club was really close to being sold and it just didn't happen. The, the course, so I mean, going through Kenyan last time, that was Mike Ashley who started talking about it on TV in December, and he um, and he prompted all the big. You know all the kind of the rush to cover it, um, and you know that that was Mike Ashley who who pushed it all. There was the leak of the letter, which came from, which which was both parties agreed, but obviously I think Ashley was quite happy for the letter to be out there because it showed that he wasn't just making it up. Um, so I think that was in you know that was in Ashley's interest to get it out there. He wanted it out there. He'd pushed it. He really thought that that was going to happen. So that was different. Bin Zayed. The Bin Zayed group pushed it out there and really made everybody believe because they were so bold in their statements that everybody thought no group would say these things if they weren't serious. As it turned out, the statements didn't tally up with what was actually going on. So that was, I think, for me, the fault was there on the buyer a lot more because why say those things if they're not if they're not accurate? So and that was and that also became such a massive saga because we were in the middle of a summer where there was massive vacuum of information in terms of that and Rafa. So that was awful, um, terrible, awful summer. Um, this one's different because it's some weird brochure that's come out. Um, I don't think it's necessarily close to anything happening, um, but it's it's this weird brochure that's kind of out there, or but not bizarre, bizarre brochure, I think maybe is, 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 is closer, not, not weird, sorry. Um, so I think that's why it's different. That's why it's different. That's why it's interesting because you've got this, source material that's quite that's quite interesting but it different to the actual club being sold you know my gut feeling is that this one it's not going to become a saga because I think people are already kind of saying we'll take it with a pinch of salt and just wait you know it'll play along in the background I think and people will start talking about the football again pretty quickly because you know maybe we'll have tomorrow as well talking about it and then it'll be into on to Leicester and um, it'll be up to Kenyan or GACP's capital sport or Ashley 
to actually, or Newcastle to actually talk about it because if it doesn't, it's not going to be the Bin Zayed thing where we're going to be, you know, you know, the ND WhatsApp in fans telling them, you know, it's not going to be like that. I think it's just going to be a bit more, you know, interesting, but move on because until it happens, it's not going to happen. So it does feel slightly different, probably a bit less of a saga, something to talk about today, but um, until it until it actually happens, best to be cynical, I think. Well, there you have it. Thank you very much for joining us. You can head over to chroniclelive.co.uk keep up to date with all the latest Gas Night news including this takeover story and the build up to Leicester City on Sunday afternoon This is Acast Recommends Every week we pick one of our favourite shows and this is one we think you're going to love Hello I'm Jeff Lloyd and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband a baby podcast that is It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.